You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. On the Sunday afternoon in February here on 98.7 ESPN. We'll get back to your calls in a moment. Time to welcome in my good friend who does a tremendous job covering the National Football League and the New York Jets. He is Rich Samini, Admiral of the Flight Deck on ESPNNewYork.com and, of course, on the ESPN New York app. Rich, Larry, how are you? Hey, Larry. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me today. My pleasure. Are you engrossed in the on the Pro Bowl games? Oh, listen, the the Mannings they're, they're always <laughs> the Mannings are always the story, Rich. <laughs> yeah, they always are. That's for sure, they, especially on our always the story. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, Rich. Before I get to your article that you had on dot com today, I got to ask you this: Are you surprised that nobody weighed in on? Bill Belichick, that he's going to be unemployed this offseason, this this season. Uh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I when the first parted ways from the Patriots, I thought he would end up for sure with one of the teams. Then it looked like Atlanta, and I think what we're seeing this, and that's the only team that we know that he interviewed for. He did it interview twice there, but I think what we're seeing across the NFL is that. Owners are preferring uh, coaches who are more collaborative, you know, who get the entire organization involved, you know, with the GM, and it's like a team effort, whereas Belichick is famous for being, quote-unquote, the dictator, you know, the ruler of the kingdom, and he does it his way. It's one voice, and I think had he gone to Atlanta, he probably would have brought in a number of his own people, and it would have cost a lot of people their jobs. We saw the same thing happen here in New York with when Bill Parcells took over the Jets. Uh-huh. You know, he made a lot of big changes, but that's the commitment you make to a guy like that. I mean, if you're willing to make that commitment, it's going to, it's not going to be pleasant for your organization because he does things a certain way, but his way wins. And I just think at his age to bring in a guy for two or three years to make that sort of commitment, I think that's why the uh, Falcons ultimately backed out or backed off maybe would be a better way of saying it. But I, I think he'll try to get back in next year. But long answer short, yeah, I am a little just because of who he is and what he's accomplished. I wonder, Ritz, will this cause him to kind of reevaluate how he's done things because of the fact? Or will he just say, listen, it's my way or the highway. This is who I am. And there could be some very – there could be a bunch of very – good quarterbacking jobs available for him next season. Yeah. Now he did say in one of his final press conferences with the Patriots that he'd be willing to concede personnel control in the, in a situation. Um, I don't know if I totally believe that. I think he would concede personnel control if the guy he was conceding to was one of his lieutenants, you know, uh, in New England for years, he had Scott Pioli as his right hand man who was in charge of personnel. So, if he were able to align himself with someone he's very familiar with, someone he's very comfortable with, then I think he might reevaluate and do things a little bit differently. But that's part of, you know, I was talking to a coach in the league as, you know, as Belichick was leaving, I was literally on the phone with a coach and he said, I don't know. He goes, this guy does things a certain way. And if you're the owner, you have to be all in with that way. You know, it's, it's a sacrifice mm-hmm. if you're the owner. And I remember when the Jets fired uh, Eric Mangini, who was basically Belichick light. And Woody Johnson said it was weird when Eric was the coach because Eric was very secretive. 
he did things without informing the owner uh, of what was going on. And so it was very much a closed door type of rule. And I think a lot of owners these days don't want to do that. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Rich, your article on .com was fascinating to me. The headline is New York Jets front office shakeup puts everyone on notice, and it refers to the situation where Rex Hogan was uh, removed from the assistant general managership uh, on Wednesday. It was a mutual agreement. Rich, why do you think it is uh, the shakeup puts everyone on notice? What what about it kind of you think will kind of reverberate through the organization? Yeah, I think I think a better way of phrasing that would be uh, not puts them on notice, but maybe reminds them that they're on notice. Okay. I mean, I think everyone in the Jet organization knows what the stakes are this year. I mean, you ask anyone from Salah to Douglas; they know if you don't get it done this year and you know get to the playoffs, it's probably going to be a house cleaning. So, I think the Hogan thing maybe was just a little reminder of that. I think. The interesting thing about that was that it was very, it was shocking. I mean, to make that kind of change. Now, granted, Rex Hogan is not a household name. So for the average fan, they might not even know who he is, but he was an important voice in the organization in terms of the draft and and pro free agency. And he was Joe Douglas's right-hand man for over, for about five years. You know, one of the first things Joe Douglas did when he got the job in 2019 was hire Rex Hogan to be his lieutenant. Mm-hmm. And so why not? And the fact that it stayed quiet for three weeks, he didn't, he didn't lose his job just a few days ago. This was actually right after the season. So it's weird mm-hmm. that it stayed quiet for so long. It was almost like the Jets were trying to keep it quiet. And it finally got out at the Senior Bowl in Mobile this week. And uh, a really weird situation. Uh, I'm not sure what to make of it, but it's something uh, – yeah, I think it caught a lot of people in the scouting community by surprise. Is he being scapegoated for Zach Wilson? Well, I did mention that in the story. I was talking to someone, an executive from another team who happens to know Rex Hogan, and he his thought was that maybe the Zach Wilson situation uh, factored into it. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, although Hogan was was known to be a very strong advocate um, for Wilson during the draft process, uh, he was in, in draft meetings and so forth, kind of lobbying for Zach Wilson at that point. And uh, not to say no one else in the organization was. Obviously, Joe Douglas was high on him well. Otherwise, he wouldn't have signed off on it. I think that would probably be only a small factor, though, Larry. I think, um, you know, I think scapegoat is a good word because if they're, scape- if they're firing him because of the team not making the playoffs the last three or four years under this regime. And it, it like, why scapegoat someone who's in middle management? You know, they should have just fired from the top, you know, mm-hmm. because they have the same record. It's not like Rex Hogan just landed here a couple of years ago and screwed up a couple of things. The guy was involved in their draft in 2022, which is one of the best drafts in Jets history, you know, mm-hmm. with Wilson Gardner, et cetera. So uh, yeah, uh, again, a, a weird and oddly times move by the Jets. Well, Rich, and we're talking to Rich Samini. Rich, uh, considering some of the articles and one particular article that has come out in recent weeks, are we to believe that Aaron Rodgers wanted uh, Rex out? No, no, I don't think I don't think that was the case. Um, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers 
wants a lot of things, but I, I don't <laughs> think the assistant, the assistant general manager would be one of them. We know Rogers wants the offense a certain way. He wanted that offensive coordinator. Um, he wanted to keep the head coach, wanted to keep the GM. Uh, he, he wants a lot of things, Aaron Rodgers. He wanted a whole bunch of players last year that he got that didn't necessarily work out for the Jets, but no, I don't think he cares really who sits in the, in the assistant GM chair. Obviously I ask you that tongue in cheek, but this is not, um, Rich, will the Jets, based on his request last year, personnel-wise, and how well they did not work out, are they? Do they feel like? Do you do you believe they're in the position now, more confident to say no, that we're going to go forth. This is going to be our game plan, and this is what we're going to do. We will consult you. We'll obviously get your input, but we're not going to, you know, have you kind of lean us, bend over backwards to make this happen. Yeah, I don't think there'll be as much Rodgers guys coming in this year. Uh, they obviously were gonna, are going to consult with him. Uh, they're going to solicit input from him, and they should. You know, he is the franchise quarterback. He knows a lot of these players. Now, granted, last year, you know, Alan Lazard was a major disappointment. It didn't work out. Um, if, but I still think they're going to rely on some input. However, I don't think they – will go out and bend over backwards to try to bring in Rodgers guys like they did last year. And the simple reason was last year, last year they were in the courtship stage. You know, they were, you know, trying to convince Aaron Rodgers to come to the Jets. And so they were bending over backwards to try to do make to please him and bringing in guys he was comfortable with was one of those uh, ways they were able to do that. Now this year he's theirs. They don't have to, they don't have to romance him anymore. Yeah, it, the marriage has already happened, so I don't think they'll be going out of their way to try to uh, do that, but I think they definitely will lean on his experience. Another part of your article, Rich, was the offensive line, which is a major statement, obviously one of the biggest needs on this team. Uh, from the players you listed, who do you think is will be the most likely to land, and how will that help the Jets' offensive line? Well, they're in a very interesting position in the draft. They're going to be picking 10th. So the best lineman, uh, the consensus best guy is Joe Walsh from Notre Dame. He's going to be gone. There's no chance he is slipping to 10th. So scratch that off your you know, wish list, Jet fans. It's not happening. Now, Olu Fashanu from Penn State is widely regarded as the second best lineman. He could be there at 10. So that's, a very, that's an interesting one. He might go somewhere in the 7 to 12 range. Uh, so that's a possibility. But the guy, the name who, who's been kind of, I've been hearing for the last few days is Kalis Fuanga from Oregon State, more of a right tackle than a left tackle. And this week he was at the Senior Bowl, had a fantastic week based on all the reports I've seen. A really powerful guy. Uh, maybe not the prototypical left tackle, maybe more of a right tackle. Uh, just because of his run-blocking ability and his power. Some people think maybe even a better guard, but I, I do think the size and the athletic traits are, to be, are there to be a tackle. He's the guy to watch out for. Uh, I, I've been told Joe Douglas really has an affinity for this player, so do they take him as high as 10? I'm not so sure about that, but uh, from what I've been hearing, there's, I think the Jets are going to be motivated to trade down. Uh, into the middle of the first round and recoup 
that second round pick, which we all know right now belongs to the Packers because of the Aaron Rodgers trade. Uh, what's next on their list, Rich? Do you think is it receiver? Is it running back? Is it defense? What was what, it? You know, like nose tackle or run stopper type? What do you think is next on their list of of their wish list after offensive line? I definitely think wide receiver. You know, I think we're talking multiple linemen, by the way. Mm-hmm. I don't think yes. it's just one to, to to solve the puzzle. It might be two or three linemen. I could definitely see them making a uh, fairly large purchase in free agency and then going into the draft and getting a guy as well. But uh, wide receiver absolutely has to be – got to get Aaron Rodgers another weapon. Uh, Garrett Wilson is – look, we all know he's a really good player. I think he's a, a wide receiver one, but – there were games last year where teams were able to take him away and no one else was able to pick up the slack. No, no other wide receiver or tight end had more than seven, I think it was 77 yards in a game this year. Hmm. And now halfway through the year, they discovered that Brees Hall was, hey, let's throw to Brees. He's a pretty good receiver. And, and Brees Hall really became their number two option. But you can't rely on a running back. Uh, to be your number two option. So I think they absolutely ha- – I think there's a good chance they'll sign a free agent receiver. Um, some big names out there like T. Higgins and, and Michael Pittman, Mike Evans. I think those guys will probably stay where they are. A guy like Calvin Ridley I think is more apt to hit the open market, so he'd be a guy to look out for. Yeah, they, they, have, to make some, they have to make some moves, uh, Rich, to improve this offense, but – you know, listen, as we all know, we've been talking about it for a while. It starts with the offensive line, and uh, they've got some injury guys coming on there. So, Rich, how, what are some of the prognosis for the guys who were injured last year on that line, and do you see Makai Becton coming back here? Yeah, great question on Makai. I mean, to his credit, he played the whole year. He only missed one game. So that was – uh, that was a change the narrative season for Makai Becton because he missed two years with knee injuries before that. And I think there were a lot of people at the Jets wondering if this guy would ever come close to his potential. So he had, you know, the results on the field weren't great this year. They were mixed for him. But I think the fact that he was able to get on the field and play, as I said, almost every game was really a positive step. Will the Jets keep him? I, if I'm betting right now, I say he goes somewhere else. I just think that's probably run its course. I think he's probably looking for a fresh start. Uh, so I think he's – I would bet that he goes somewhere else. The injury guys, AVT coming off the Achilles, I suspect he'll be back. Everything's looking good from that standpoint. He gives them a lot of flexibility, Larry, because he can play guard and tackle. So if they can't find a starting caliber tackle in free agency – and by the way, there, there aren't a lot of good ones – um, they could use, they could just, you know, kick him out to tackle. That's the mm. uh, the beauty of ABT, that versatility. So, uh, so that's where he stands. They have Joe Tippin, who they like at center, and they're gonna, you know, they have Tomlinson at guard. Who, look, I mean, he's probably looking at a pay cut. Uh, Eighteen million for a cap number is is much too large for him. So he could be a casualty or or a pay cut candidate. And so they're gonna have to do some work on that line. Um, what what is their situation salary cap wise, Rich? Do they have a lot of flexibility or limited flexibility? Limited right now. I think it's uh, last time I checked. I think it was about four or five million under the cap, which is not a whole lot. No, not at all. But 
you know, as we know uh, from following this for many years, it's so it's totally very it's very flexible. I mean, you could do things. They'll get cap room. They have candidates where they could uh, Quinn and Williams restructure his deal, get a ton of money. They can restructure uh, C.J. Mosley. They can restructure J.F.M. Uh, they can restructure D.J. Reed. Uh, a bunch of guys right there. With, like I said, Lincoln Tomlinson. Um, you know, maybe even a uh, Zama could be a cap casualty. Pick up a little money there. We haven't even mentioned Zach Wilson. Mm-mm. If they're able to move on from move on from him, they pick up a little money. So I think by the time it all is said and done, they'll probably have about thirty to forty million dollars in operating room for to go into free agency. And hopefully, money for a backup quarterback, Rich, a very good backup quarterback. <laughs> Absolutely on their list of things to do. Uh, yeah, I think Zach Wilson will be moving on. Probably, I think they'll probably find a trade partner. They're not going to get much. I wouldn't hold out hope for anything like on the second day of the draft. It'd probably be a late round pick or a swap of middle round picks, something along those lines. But yes, they have to get a backup quarterback. The problem, I mean, Gardner Minshew is going to be out there. Ryan Tannehill is going to be out there. I would say those are probably the top guys. The problem with, you know, when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who you know is never going to come off the field unless it's an injury, he's not going to get benched, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. So it's hard to attract a top guy like a Gardner Minshew uh, to come in and play. So they're going to probably have to overpay for a guy like that. Hmm. Or I think a more realistic option would be a Jacoby Brissett from Washington. Hmm. I think he played for seven or eight million last year. So they probably have to give him about the same, maybe a little bit more. He actually played really well on that Christmas Eve game against the Jets, nearly brought Washington all the way back and played well against the Jets last year in that game in Cleveland where the Jets with Flacco somehow pulled out that miracle wind at the end. So I think Jacoby Brissett would be a good, you know, he's 30, 31 years old. His days as a full-time starter are over, and I think he'd be a really good backup. Uh, Great guy, high-character individual, a good backup with Rodgers as a starter. Two more quick ones for you, Rich. Uh, once again, referring to your article, the Jets have an opportunity to draft Mr. Irrelevant? Well, yeah, the compensatory picks are going to be announced in uh, in the coming weeks. I think it's usually uh, sometime before the league meetings in March. So, And I think now I'm basing this on the Over the Cap website, which mm-hmm. does a great job of all this. So they're projecting – three seventh-round compensatory picks for the Jets. And that is, of course, based on free agent losses and gains from last year. So one of those seventh-rounders is projected as the last pick of a draft. So uh, if that, of course, uh, Mr. Rebellion, which has gained a lot of publicity, especially this week for sure, with Brock Purdy being in the Super Bowl. The Jets have never had one before. Um, at least not in the Super Bowl era, uh, Mr. Irrelevant. So you never know. Maybe the Jets will be making that pick. Again, that's a projection at this point. And speaking of that, Rich, uh, who wins the Super Bowl? Who do you got? I mean, your, your, your postseason record has been pretty good. I've been following you. I know. I mean, I got on a little roll here with the, <laughs> I, I think, um, uh, 10-2 and two picking games. So um, I got Kansas City. I mean, I feel really good about uh, – I feel really good about that pick. I just think Mahomes is just seems almost infallible in these postseason games. His record is incredible, and I love the way they've evolved as a team. 
from more of a passing team to more of a running team with Pacheco. The defense is playing really well. I think Spags is just a phenomenal defensive coordinator, and I think he's going to come up with something to, to give Brock Purdy some problems, just like he did with Lamar Jackson last week. The way he mixed his fronts and personnel groupings, I think, really caused some confusion for the Ravens. And so, uh, and I think that this doesn't get a lot of publicity, but I think the kicking game is going to be big. You know, mm. the 49ers have been having some struggles with their kicker, their rookie kicker, the kid from Michigan, Moody. And uh, meanwhile, Kansas City's kicker is excellent. Butcher is, is really good. And so if it comes, I'm picking 31-24 Kansas City. Uh, I just think that the, the Chiefs just got a dynasty going here, and I'm going to, going to ride that dynasty. Well, Rich, I'll say this. Up until recently, you've seen a lot of bad special teams kickers for this Jet team, so you would know how important special teams is. <laughs> it is, but this year the Jets flipped it. You know, they had two right. really good kickers with Thomas Morstead and uh, Greg Zerline, who, who actually both had Pro Bowl caliber type seasons, so this was like a really different year for the Jets. It was. Year, but you're totally right, Larry. In the past, the Jets have cycled through like seemingly two or three kickers a year, now they got to re-sign both of those guys now because they're both mm-hmm. free agents. And I know, I know Morstead is definitely just from talking to people who know him, he has definitely a strong interest in coming back. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Zerline does too. I just haven't really checked in with his camp yet, but I think the Jets have a good shot at getting both of those guys back. Rich, continue the great work. Uh, we'll follow you on .com and of course on the flight deck on the app. Talk to you soon, my friend. All right, all right, Larry. Take care. Have a good one. Right. Take care. You too. We'll continue the conversation with you on the phones at 1-800-919-3776, 1-800-919-ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Back to the phones we go. Let's chat with Jimmy in Jersey. Jimmy, you're next on 98.7. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. First time, long time. How you doing? I'm doing great, Jimmy. Thanks for checking in. Talk to me. Just want to talk to you about the Super Bowl game okay. coming up in a week. I just mm-hmm. got – I'm thinking Super Bowl MVP. I'm thinking Isaiah Pacheco. I know it's the Jersey guy. Everybody's talking about McCaffrey, Mahomes, even Purdy. But I think the Chiefs running game, especially what they did against the Ravens, really will be a key in them winning the Super Bowl. Jimmy, you're 1,000% right. I, I think the running game, and that's been the big adjustment for this team, thanks for the phone call, has been the fact that they've been able to run the football. And part of it is because, I mean, Mahomes has lo- had lost confidence in his receivers. They were dropping passes all over the place. But during the postseason, it's almost like – it's crazy. It's almost like they switched on the light. Oh, it's playoff time. Okay, everybody's got to focus. We're lucky we got here. We barely got by the Bills, okay? We're lucky, to be honest, that we got by Baltimore because we didn't score in the second half. But they've been playing better. The problem with Kansas City, and this is going to be something, and this is why I think Samini only has it by seven, is, to be honest, they have not done well in the red zone in the postseason, and they've been inconsistent in the red zone all year. I mean, you go back to that game last week against Baltimore. uh, In the red zone, the second half, they couldn't get anything going. They couldn't get anything going. So that's going to be a concern. But I do think Isaiah Pacheco has has been a major factor to them offensively. And what can you say about Patrick Mahomes? I mean, he's just – he's the best right now. There's no question. There's End of statement. He is the best. He extends plays. He has turned the ball over a little bit more this year than previous years. 
but he's done a great job in the postseason. But I will say this. Uh, the way the Kansas City defense is playing cannot be lost on the effect of this team and how they have, how successful they've been, they've been. Because this has not been the explosive offenses of Kansas City past. This is not even the explosive offense since Tyreek Hill left. This has been really a pedestrian offense this year. And they've won games because the defense has kept them in. And Steve Spagnuolo has been incredible. He was incredible last week with the different looks that he gave Lamar Jackson that where Lamar Jackson didn't think he could run, but he felt he could pass. And what he thought was the coverage wasn't the coverage. And he should have run the ball. Listen, you go back and you look. I'm sure when he looked the video from that game, he's like, oh, my God, I could have run forever. I'd still be running on some of these plays. But he just, he was, what he thought he saw, he didn't. And then when he threw to it, it was late. So Spagnuolo gets a lot of uh, kudos for what he's been able to do with this Kansas City defense as well. We'll continue the conversation here on 98.7 ESPN. Did you? You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. The end of the NFL season. That we have just gone through 18 games, 17 games, soon 18. (laughs) Playoffs. And next week is the Super Bowl to wrap up the 2023 season. And it's just so funny. You're listening to Ritzamini and... I think if we played back some of our conversations around the draft last year, I mean, obviously most of it was about Aaron Rodgers, right? Most of it was, is he coming? Is he not coming? When he go, he went into a retreat. We still don't know what's he going to say. I mean, all that's all that the, the Aaron Rod, it was the Aaron Rodgers watch. It was the summer of Aaron Rodgers. It was everything about him. It was hard knocks. It was everything. It was all these things. But some of the other questions that we had about this Jet team, we still have. What's going on with the offensive line? Can this team find a way to stop the run? Who's going to be the backup if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt? Who's the number two receiver? I mean, they're, they're the same questions that we had from this team last year, last season. It, it's well, I mean, This season, rather. I'm looking at the next season, looking back. So let me me put it this way so I won't confuse you. Going into 2023, going into 2024, we got the same questions we had going into 2023. And if anything, and the same thing from the coaching staff. Is this a staff that can win? Can can you win with Robert you? What can you expect from Nathaniel Hackett? I mean, we've got the same questions going into 2024 that we had in 2023. And it it is just crazy. And in some cases, in some situations, it's the same thing with the Giants. Is Daniel Jones the guy? (laughs) You know, can Brian Dable get the best out of Daniel Jones? Can the Giants have, what are the weapons that the Giants are going to have? The offensive line with the Giants, where you're hearing reports that Evan Neal, they're looking at moving Evan Neal inside to tackle, to guard rather than keeping him a tackle, and they may draft a tackle to get one in free agency. Saquon Barkley, what's going to happen to him? Is he going to get the franchise tag? Is he not going to get the franchise tag? What, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same things. Okay, it's the same things. 
And then you look at other teams where you see a an advance. You see movement. You see change. You see positive change. You see an upgrade. Everybody upgrades. Everybody, if they don't upgrade starters, they add depth to upgrade the team. And so just for the New York teams, you, you're, you're, there's always more questions than answers, it just seems like, football-wise. It really does. And the question becomes, for both fan bases, how much confidence do you have in your particular team's front office to make the best decision for you? Now, clearly, if we are to compare the Jet front office, you've got some questions about. Aside from the one draft that they had in 2022, this has been uh, an up-and-down, disappointing situation. And not only just drafting, but free agency and some signings and people they let get away, things of that nature, has not been good. If you're a Giant fan, you're wondering now, about your head coach in the sense of what really happened with Wink Martindale because nobody picked up Wink Martindale. Nobody picked him up as a head coach and yet nobody's picked him up as a defensive coordinator. So is this, was the problem more Martindale than Dable? Is it more Dable than Martindale? How are other teams looking at it? Because there've been other defensive coordinators who have been hired And you could argue that Wake Martindale did an outstanding job with this Giants defense, especially in the second half. He made some adjustments, and this team was a far better defensive team in the second half than they were the first half. So there's a number of questions that you you have here going forward with both local football teams. And as you watch a San Francisco, and you say – you know, and there's been a lot of discussion lately about Brock Purdy, right? Is he good? Is he not good? Is he is he a system quarterback? Is he is he is he among the best in the league? Well, is he he's not among the top four or five? Wherever you put him, wherever you think he belongs, he's been a part of a team that has won, and he's been a part of the team that now has a chance to win the Super Bowl. And you would think where he was drafted that most people are saying, well, you know what? We don't think he's that good. And that's where if you're the Jets especially, more so than the Giants, but the Jets especially, you're saying, so you can you can coach up a young quarterback. You can, with the right coaching and the right surrounding and the right help and work, you can make a young player better than how you perceive him to be. And so Brock Purdy is the perfect example. Am I saying that he is, that Zach Wilson is better than Brock Purdy? Am I, no. Am I saying he's worse than Brock Purdy? No, I'm not saying. I'm not saying either way. I mean, I think Wilson has better arm strength than Purdy. But Purdy has been put in a position with a fabulous head coach and offensive mind that has prepared him to be successful in the particular offense that they run, that scheme they run. And it's the same thing with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And so, listening to the Michael K show during the week, 
Monday through Fridays from 3 to 6.30. And Don LaGreca made a, a, a fabulous point when he said he was surprised at not more offensive coordinators or offensive-minded people were hired as head coaches. You know, you had a pretty, a pretty a fair amount of defensive guys. And in the league, is it, well, the offensive firepower in the league is so good, we need a defensive mind to slow things down? Is Was that the thought process? Or was the thought process, well, you know, we're okay offensively. We just need to, we just need to learn how to stop people. And the real question becomes: With these defensive-minded head coaches, will they get a really, really offensive-minded OC? And how much leeway will they allow them? How much leeway are these defensive-minded head coaches going to be with the offensive coordinators? That they will let them move the ball down the field, that they will let them be aggressive, that they will be, you know, like a Dan Campbell who goes for it on fourth down most of the time because that's that's what confidence he has in his offense and his offensive line and his quarterback. But really going back to the, to the point, it, when you look at Brock Purdy, whatever you think of him, I think he's pretty good. Whatever you think of him, now I don't know if he's top five, I don't know if he's top ten, but from a position of where he is and where the team is done and the weapons he has with him, he's not asked to do a lot. All he's asked to do is give the ball to McCaffrey, make sure Debo Samuels is happy, and get the ball to Kittles. I mean, that's not bad. <laughs> if I was a quarterback, that's what I'd be doing. I've got options. And that's a really good thing. And so the question once again becomes, as the Jets now have to look for yet another quarterback for the future, what are you going to do differently in picking said quarterback and then supporting said quarterback so they are better, so they can be successful? I mean, remember, the last time you went to back-to-back AFC championship games, you were led by a quarterback whose coach in college said, he should not be in the NFL. He's not ready. He, sh- he should stay another year. But yet and still, because of how he was surrounded, what he was asked to do, and he had some weapons, meaning an outstanding offensive line and a really good running game, and solid receivers, he got you the two AFC championship games. So it can be done. It's what happens to the player, and this we talk in quarterback, but it's regardless of any position. It's what you do with the player once you have them on your team. How do you coach them up? How do you prepare them? How do you make sure they're hard workers? How do you support them? What do you do to take them to the next level so they can be successful? That's what the Jets and Giants both have to figure out. When they do, then we'll be talking about either one or both in the Super Bowl. We'll wrap up this edition of The Drive next on 98.7 ESPN.